So welcome to 49ers Wake Up. First time dealing with defeat all football season for the 49ers. It is a lick your wounds, find out the severity of McCaffrey and Debo injuries, and get ready to take on the Minnesota Vikings, who edged out the Chicago Bears yesterday on the day the Bears played poorly. Again, Justin Fields even had a dislocated thumb, so everything that could be going wrong is going wrong in Chicago. Um, And this Vikings team... Again, I'm glad that they won the game, Larry. It, it helps the 49ers, I think, refocus. The same way that uh, Arizona's win over Dallas, I think, helped them focus. Um, I, I didn't think yesterday had anything to do with a lack of focus. The Cleveland Browns were just the better football team. And sometimes you got to tip your cap and say, we got beat. And the Niners did. They got beat. They physically got beat up. And you don't expect that to happen very much to a team that is as well-built and as physical as the Niners are. But, you know, th- this game humbles you quickly. Humbles well, you really, really, really quickly. Yeah, I mean, more than anything, I I just think that if you said, give me the reason the Niners lost that game. I mean, you know, there's a bunch. First of all, there were a bunch of great plays in that game as well. I mean, and we can get through get in those into those at some point. But um, I I thought, you know, one thing that, you know, to me, it was the most interesting article I read in the entire offseason. And that was we think of NFL games as. Who's got the advantage home and road and who's got the advantage record wise and who's got the advantage on the spread. But in reality, there's this internal deal with the rest advantage and every team doesn't come bring the same amount of rest. The Browns had a bunch of days to prepare for the Niners and rest up for this game and play it at home. Niners were coming off of that Dallas emotional victory and had a had many fewer days to rest. Browns had a bye last week. This is going to happen, by the way, in the Cincinnati game in a couple weeks as well. Niners will be coming off of a Monday nighter, flying home from Minnesota, and the Bengals will have had the week off and have 13 days to prepare. As somebody who's done the quality control job in pro football in the past, I'll tell you right now, if you have an extra day to prepare, you have an advantage. When you have had an extra week and and you know plus to prepare, when you've had ten plus days of a rest advantage, that is a factor. And I don't, I don't say it as an excuse. I just say it as next time you're wagering on an NFL game, have an idea of how much rest these teams have. And it's not it's 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 you know there it's not like one of these things where well it all go, what comes around goes around. Nope, nope, not the way it works. Um, some teams are going to have huge rest advantages all year, and there's other teams that have rest advantages not once all year. I mean, think about that for a second. There could be a team that has a rest advantage in like 10 or 12 games, and then there could be a team that doesn't have a rest advantage in any game. That's the way this thing is set up. Um, and it's I'm, I'm not making excuses for the Niners here. I'm just saying it's a reality of NFL football. So the no, Browns I mean, and something, here's the thing. I, I think yeah. it's something that we we dismiss more than we should. Yeah. It's oh, I mean, just this dismissible. We are all oh, yeah, about Sunday five weeks. So it all works out in the wash. It, no, it, no, it, it, it does not work out in the wash. The Jets, for example, had a rest have a rest advantage in like 13 games this year. OK. The league, you could make an argument, wanted to see Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets in the playoffs and engage that audience. They gave them a rest advantage in 13 games. You can look it up. The Bears have a rest advantage, I believe, in no games all year, not one. So this was a major rest advantage for the Browns. They looked fresher. 
They look better prepared, did they not? So that's one. Two, Niners definitely had a, a little bit of an emotional letdown after the Dallas victory. That played a huge, huge deal. I thought Shanahan had a horrendous day. Um, this is the number one pass defense in football. This should have been a 60-40 run-pass split. Instead, they actually threw more passes than they had runs uh, in a game that they either led or were within one score the entire day. So, And then he didn't run one or two more plays trying to get closer on the field goal at the end. For what reason? I don't know. So I didn't think Shanahan had a particularly good game. Then you mix in the injury to CMC. Debo was a non-factor. Trent taped it up and went, but he wasn't 100%. And you didn't have the great Dre Greenlaw out there at all. He's too, you know, he is a dominant player. And they they gave up 4.7 yards per carry. And they were sloppy, bringing down uh, several of the offensive players from the Browns. So these are all factors. Then you mix in the fact that Kittle was a complete non-factor. Um, there wasn't enough touches or runs for J.P. Mason. There were two horrendous crushing penalties that impacted this game. There were two missed field goals from Jake Moody. The Niners were too damn sloppy in this game. They had 12 penalties. Ayuk was a disaster. He had three drops, three major drops. Debo had another one. So the those two guys combined for four drops. Purdy was not great. He had three bad passes in the first half. He had three bad passes in the second half. He threw his first interception. But to me, if you said what stands out as the primary reasons, the Niners tackling against Ford and Hunt and Goodwin and Najoku was was poor, and the Browns did an awesome job defending the Niner run game and the Niner screen game. Um, after the first drive where the Niners moved right down the field, the Browns put the clamps on, and they did a phenomenal job at the line of scrimmage stopping the Niner run and uh, stopping the short passing game. So to me, that I mean, there's a bunch of reasons there, and when you add them all together, it's a ton of adversity, and still the 49ers were in position um, to win that game if their kicker makes a 41-yard field goal which is standard fare by a kicker. I mean, I'd love to see the percentage of field goals made from 41 this year. It's very, very, very high. So well, and, and it was just a lot of, it was higher. a lot of negativity. It was a lot of uh, things to overcome. They yeah, couldn't overcome it, it all. It's probably an even higher percentage at 38, which is just head scratcher. Why Kyle didn't run one more play there with nine seconds left on third down and a timeout. Uh, it was surprising. It really, really was. But if Kyle's argument and I guess it's the only argument that could possibly hold water. Like if his argument is, I believe in my kicker to hit a 41 yard field goal, I would say, well, you should. So like, I, I get, I guess why you did that, but I still would have tried to make it a little bit easier given the fact it was a sloppy day, sloppy track. He'd already missed one. Why not just make it a little bit easier, but you're right with everything working against the 49ers, Brock Purdy still did his job enough to put his team in position with a, you know, would have been, could have been game-winning drive. It just was not meant to be. Larry, before we hop into, I, I see you have starred some super chats. We'll get into those in just a second and see what people want to talk about. But um, we got some significant streaks snapped and one or two streaks that are noteworthy enough to keep an eye on that are still going. 
The streaks that have been snapped, we have four significant snap streaks. Number one, the 15-game regular season winning streak for the 49ers is obviously over. Brock Purdy's undefeated start for his career in the regular season is over along with his start this year in games without an interception. The have scored 30 or more points streak to start a year and going back to last year, obviously both of those streaks are now snapped and most easy to see. And most dramatically Jake Moody's streak of no miss kicks came to an end and it did so in game losing fashion. He had not missed a kick before he missed these two. So we went from very impressed, nothing is wrong, to now maybe it's time to call Robbie Gold. There's a reason why people overreact. Maybe you and I are even overreacting. Maybe they haven't lost any faith in Moody at all. The question is, has Moody lost any faith in himself? And if the answer is no there, you keep going forward. But you and I already agreed. I I would call Robbie this week. You got all that cap space. You cannot let we didn't have enough money to pay our never missed a big kick kicker to come on back in a year we're trying to win a Super Bowl, especially when you got the money to do that. Especially when you got the money to do that. And you can, you, you know, here's the deal. What if I told you that you can sign Robbie Gold and have enough money to re sign Brandon Ayuk next year and you can have both? Wouldn't you want to do that? I mean, well, I mean, uh, here's are, the thing: are people well built enough, Larry, to not be worried about running back, cornerback, safety depth when you've got a kicking issue. If you have a kicking issue, isn't that worth paying for? I mean, people love to read. You know, they love to read the tea leaves and guess along with the team. And right now, there's a lot of people saying, "Oh, that's knee jerk to talk about moving Jake Moody." Why? Because they just saw the 49er players and coaches all go to the podium and say, it's not Jake's fault, man. Wasn't on Jake. Wasn't on Jake. Doesn't That doesn't change anything. That does not change anything. You're not, they're going to support him. They're going to support him verbally 100% of the time, even beyond them bringing in Robbie Gold. You know what I mean? So they could could bring in Robbie Gold tomorrow. And still on Friday, when asked about Jake Moody, they're going to be like, hey, man, we believe in Jake. Jake. We love Jake. We believe in Jake. He Jake's the future. Blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, so Jordan if you're Poole, waiting, if Jordan you're waiting. going to be here for years. Right, right. Until 24 hours later when he's traded to Washington. Right. Yeah, Mike Dunleavy. Yeah, Jordan Poole's going to be here for another four years. He wasn't here for another four days. <laughs> you know, these guys lie. And the bottom line is, um, you know, right now, I guarantee you they've thought it. And I guarantee you they're considering it. Um, and to what degree we're not, we're not going to know until the move actually gets done. I would say, you know, that to sign Jake, to sign Robbie gold this morning would probably be knee jerk, but I bet you a call would be made to him saying, Hey, Robbie, um, before you sign elsewhere, would you give us the, would you give us the phone call? You know, I, if somebody else is going to ring you, Larry. I mean, that's the and thing. Maybe, maybe gold in his own mind is sitting on a beach with a pina colada in his hand and thinking, I'm never going to step on a football field again. I've made a ton of cash. I'm living a great life. I'm done. You know, but you, you might want to call and find that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying you might want to just give him a call and find out. Maybe you might want to find out. I mean, what's more important, a kicker. I mean, a kicker that can make it from 60 or a kicker that will make it from 45. What's 
what's the uh what's more valuable there would you know i mean that's really the question what's more valuable because it's not about money it's not about money robbie gold made five made 4.8 million dollars if if the niners want to go sign robbie right now they're already a month into the year they could probably spend less than three million dollars and get him signed and they have 41 million under the cap and plenty to roll over if they want so it's really just a matter of what move do they want to make and how do they feel about Robbie and how do they feel about Jake and do they, you know, but I would say Jake's only got one more pressure kick that he misses before they're calling up Robbie. I really believe that's about, if you said make a prediction, I'll predict one more, one more miss that, you know, if you miss from 55, no, not a problem. If you miss from 45, it is a problem. And that's how that's how this game is is measured, sadly. If he misses one more kick from forty something yards, I think they I think they bring in I think they bring back Robbie and and move Jake aside temporarily. Let me answer your question specifically though, Larry. What would you rather have? The guy who can hit from sixty or the guy who won't miss from forty? Forty five. I wonder if the NFL doesn't think and Kyle doesn't think I'd rather have the could do it from 60 because we live in an offensive era where fourth and fourth and five or less on your side of the field is a, you should go for it scenario now. So, you know, fourth and five from this is going to be a bomb field goal or, or we're going to give the ball over maybe at midfield. You maybe try that field goal more than, hey, you're somewhere around a 35, 38, 42-yard field goal, but it's fourth and short, so we're going to go for it. Now, I don't know if the modern, aggressive way to go about coaching fourth down brings the Niners back to Robbie Gold faster than it turns them away from Jake Moody. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'd have to ask Kyle about that, and he'd never tell you for real. So, Well, I mean, close only only matters in horseshoes and hand grenades. You've heard that saying before, right? Yeah, I know. Did um, you ever play a game called hand grenades? Or are they talking like actual, just get this hand grenade close and it'll it'll do the job? <laughs> I think they're actually talking about real hand grenades. All right, let's uh, talk about some streaks intact here, Larry, because yes. there are a couple things that are, again, it, doom and gloom Monday for sure. Nobody's happy with the loss, but I can tell you this definitively right now. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel will come back healthy within a week or two. Every single plan that this team has to win a Super Bowl is still very much on track. The Niners with yesterday's loss in Cleveland, are still among the very best teams in the sport, full stop. No reason to go panicking here. Christian McCaffrey's consecutive games scoring a touchdown has now reached a dozen, uh, which is the longest of his career. He's one touchdown away from tying Jerry Rice's franchise record of 13 straight games in a touchdown, with a touchdown. Now, that's consecutive games. So if Christian McCaffrey were to miss this week, that streak is over. It's not games that you were available and played. It's consecutive regular season games. So that streak hangs in the balance. Um, including the postseason, Christian McCaffrey has scored one or more touchdowns in 15 straight games now, which is the longest active streak of any NFL player and the longest streak by a member of the Niners in franchise history. So he's looking to build upon both of those if he's healthy enough to play in Minnesota. His 15 consecutive games with a touchdown tie Hall of Famers John Riggins, 
and OJ Simpson for the second most consecutive games postseason included with a touchdown in NFL history. Um, with a touchdown on the opening drive, even though it didn't lead to a victory, uh, this team is still cooking on opening drives. They have scored on their opening drive in eight consecutive regular season games. And even though it wasn't a day that you can say the 49ers run defense played particularly well, once again, they held no runner or no runner eclipsed a hundred yards all by himself as an individual. This is 33 consecutive games that the 49ers have prevented a running back from going over a hundred yards on them individually. And at 33 in a row, that is the longest active streak in, in football. So they still got that, and that's good. So it, it's not all doom and gloom, but a disappointing loss on a day where everything went wrong. They played poorly, got physically beaten, didn't have the officials giving them any help at all throughout the entire day, and they were still lining up for a game-winning field goal on a on a day where they didn't have much business winning a football game. Um, to me, Larry, where the game really died early, it's easy to look at everything that happened late and say this is all responsible for the that game probably died for the 49ers over their second and third drives. So they're up seven nothing. They're up seven nothing after the opening drive, and then both teams trade missed field goals. The 49ers went three and out. They had a first down to Kittle vanish due to a Spencer Burford illegal use of hands. So now you're replaying third down after marching off the yardage. It's third and 13. And that was one of those Brock lets it go to Ayuk and it goes off of Ayuk's hands. He could have had that. He should have had it. It would have been one of the best plays of the day had he had that. And it would have kept the Niners ahead of the chains. So instead of it being 14 to nothing or 10 to nothing, after three offensive possessions, it's still just seven to nothing. You know, this team, after the Fred Warner interception, had the ball first and 10 from the Cleveland 26 and came away with no points. First and 10 on a team's 26-yard line, when they got the best defense in football, that can't be a goose egg. And it was. You at least got to get the field goal there. But Moody missed it. And that first miss was just as bad as the last miss. I mean, I, I'll disagree. I mean, I, I you know, you, there's going to be close games. I mean, you know, the, you're, you know, the Niners led at halftime. They had a lead in the fourth quarter. I mean, I, I don't know that you can say that they blew this game in the first half when they're leading at halftime and leading in the fourth quarter. I just I mean, think just, you got a much different feeling of a football game. Sure. I mean, with, sure. with PJ Walker down 14, nothing. That's a different feel. Like again, that's when the sadness factory starts to do in the work for you. And every Cleveland Brown is looking at the tip of their cleats and and every fan in there is going, ah oh, shit, another year. Oh, here we go again. Like you got to use Cleveland's self-deprecating momentum against them. And the 49ers did more to keep Cleveland in that game by not scoring early than maybe even Cleveland did to stay in that game. Yeah, I to me, I mean, I mean, I I watched that game twice now. Um, I I would say that the what stands out to me is um, you know the Niners are up seventeen sixteen, they force a punt, um, they're you know on the Browns eleventh drive, Niners get it back with three minutes left, and or I should say uh, the Niners go three and out, the Browns get it back with three minutes left, and um, you know. 
the Niners are still up 17-16, and the first, you know, it's first and 10 from the 26, and Walker throws incomplete on first down, and then he throws um, a pass to Elijah Moore that's incomplete on second down, and he gets to third and 10, and the Niners defense uh, really was bowing up, and he and Walker, you know, throws the ball to the receiver, and Gibson has the hit. I mean, I, I mean, as much as that, that would have been fourth and ten, fourth and ten, Niners would have gotten the ball back with two minutes and forty seconds left, and all they need is a couple first downs, and the game's over, and they win seventeen sixteen. Instead, that drive continues, and then it gets to another play where Mooney Ward gets you know a phantom hold. And so now it's your in field goal range, and eventually Hopkins makes the twenty nine yard field goal, and suddenly the Browns are up. I mean, that's where I think this game changed is is on the Gibson penalty. I really do. This game was gonna be close. This game, I mean, I I thought there was a chance for a blowout if there was, but that was before I saw the weather and really saw the the impact of this Browns defense, and they're good on all three levels, but. I, I think I really think it was the penalty to get on Gibson that sh- that swung the game. I really do. Yeah, I mean, this no, was look, this was a close game. This was a close game. And people want to say that sour grapes fine, but that that to me, if you fourth and ten, you're looking at fourth and ten against the against a really good Niner defense that has momentum with inside of three minutes to play. Um, that call gets called correctly, and it's fourth and ten, and you're. What's the what's the conversion rate on fourth and ten? Very very low. So I, I that's ultimately where this game was lost. I if there was one thing as far as game within the game, when you had no Batonio, an injured center, a rookie right tackle, um, and you got Gregory and Bosa and Hargrave and Armstead, I really thought the 49er D line would rock this Browns O-line and they would be partying in the backfield against against Walker all afternoon long and it just never really materialized. So I would say I'm I'm you know even though the they got nine hits on the quarterback and two sacks and it's easy to be like, well, you know, the D-line did their part. I don't know. On paper, the D-line should have had a major major advantage over this banged up Browns unit and it didn't happen. You know, they had a backup guard in there. Um, they didn't even have their best O-lineman out there. And you've got this awesome D-line. This is supposedly like where you've put your, you know, all your money on 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 your on your cap is all invested in your D-line. Your D-line should have dominated this game and didn't. Right. The guy who flashed the most defensively yesterday might have been Randy Gregory. And there's and way too much good. talent for the new guy to flash like that. Good. I mean, good to see you, Randy. I like the way that you played. Did a nice job taking snaps away from Drake Jackson already. I can see that. Um, yeah, Randy Gregory was really good. He was. He had a tackle for a loss against Ford. Uh, he had a perfect sack on a Rand- TE stunt. Gregory um, and Warner played the best defense yesterday for the 49ers. You know, Fred had another interception back-to-back weeks. Uh, first linebacker to do that for the Niners in a while. So he played really well. I thought Talano Hufanga had a bad game. Diamador Lenore uh, had that interception, but it was not, it was just, it was no one had a great game. I think that they missed Greenlaw and, you know, after after you and I talked to Tony Grossi of the land.com, we we spoke with him yesterday previewing this game. I thought that the Niners 
we're going to be in a really tight game. And then he almost talked me into a Niner blowout based on all the problems across Cleveland's offensive front, but it was the 49ers offensive line that spent much, much of the day struggling out there against a, a stout defensive front. I mean, what we had, and you and I talked about this last week, Larry, is we had what, 13.6 points per game versus 15 points per game. And that's what we had. We, we had a game that didn't get out of the teens. You know, defenses matter. And both of these defenses, here's the thing, the 49ers defense, as disappointing as it might have been in a loss, they didn't have a bad day. It's just the 49ers offense did have a bad day while Cleveland's defense was having a good day. And there you go. Let's well, but, but I will say this. I mean, let's let's be honest about this, too. The Niners came in giving up 266 yards per game, and in this game gave up 334. Yep. The Niner defense came in allowing 13.6 points per game and gave up 19. The Niner defense came in giving up 64 yards rushing on average on the ground and gave up 160. Yeah, that I mean that's where the game is lost if you really want to get into one number. It was a ground game and the it's Niners got beat on the ground. The offense, I mean, and there were some highlights on the D. I mean, there's no question there were some highlights on the D. Fred Warner's interception was a phenomenal play. How about Oren Burks, his hustle, tackle down the field against Amari Cooper? Great After play. Hufanga whiffed hard on Amari Cooper. I haven't seen Hufanga get caught reaching or leaning quite like that in any game that he's played. So he had, yeah. a, he had a rough one yesterday. Nick Bosa had a nice bat down on a pass. Gregory uh, had the tack, had the sack on the TE stunt. Eric Armstead had a tackle for loss against Hunt. That was phenomenal. Bosa had a nice sack. Demo with a pick and a return. I thought Flanagan Fowles made a great diving pass breakup. Randy Gregory had a terrific tackle for a loss against, against uh, Jerome Ford in the backfield. You know, the defense had their highlight plays, but, you know, the thing about it is they have two, the Niners have two spectacular all-pro linebackers, and we don't realize how much they do. And when you take Greenlaw off the field, he is a tone-setting physical menace. He is one of the NFL's best defensive players, and they didn't have him. And that was, that was huge. Because if there was one thing in this game, you said... Did you, you know, did you expect the Niner offense to struggle? Well, I guess, you know, looking how, how good the Browns are on defense, yeah, especially on all three levels, uh, on, a, on a mucky, wet day. And then when you, when you factor in, you know, Debo was out, and CMC got knocked out, and Trent was out there less than 100%. That wasn't that surprising. What was surprising is that the 49er defense gave up 160 rushing yards to a Browns team that didn't have Nick Chubb and the previous two weeks had not even eclipsed a hundred yards rushing and they give up one sixty. Well, and I wonder four point seven a carry. I wonder if the Browns didn't just exploit the fact that Dre Greenlaw's sideline to sideline speed wasn't out there. And I think Greenlaw cleans up an awful lot of those runs that feel like they're coming out of a tunnel on the edges. And he wasn't out there to clean it up. I thought that the the Browns yesterday did a better job running outside of the hashes than they did running in between the tackles on the 49ers. And that's, you know, Kevin Stefanski coming up with the right way to run against the Niners because running up the middle is really, really tough. 
So you got to get outside and maybe getting outside is a lot easier to do on days where Dre Greenlaw is not out there to meet you. So um, tip of the cap to the Cleveland Browns. They, they deserve to be congratulated for the win. Um, it, it was unexpected. Probably their most surprising outcome of the year, given that it was P.J. Walker just getting promoted from the practice squad. Um, it, it, it was it was a, it was a good day for Cleveland. It was a bad day. For San Francisco, Larry, let, let's get to some some super chats. I see you got like 12 different uh, super chats already out there while you're dialing those up. Let me invite everyone to number one, of course, try our sponsor Palmetto Superfoods and the acai bowl that is there. But number two, go ahead and hit like or subscribe right now. Larry, your subscriber count is climbing in such an impressive fashion. Again, you're inspiring watching your work. It's been great. You're over, what, 26,000 now? We're, uh, we're, we're approaching 8,500 over here. I'd love to be at 10,000 ahead of Thanksgiving. And if you don't want to miss a thing that Larry and I do, and we do an awful lot together, be subscribing to both of our channels, please. Hit that like button, make the algorithm like us. And what I can say is more people are liking and finding us by the week and 49ers wake up than before. Um, we have, I do believe, measured the largest day after 49ers program. Larry, maybe in the world. <laughs> I, I, is, is, are we global here now? Is that where the internet goes? Is it global? Are we are we the biggest 49er morning after recap show in the world? I think we should probably start promoting ourselves as such because we're dwarfing a couple of local radio stations. And uh, and it's good to be over here on YouTube, to say the least. We're both very, very happy with what we're doing. Hit that like. Hit that subscribe. Make the algorithm like us as much as you do. Thank you very much. All right, what do we got? What do we got from a? Uh, from we also want to. We also want to thank those local radio stations for shopping our sponsors uh, as well because they need sponsor ideas desperately. So why not shop ours? Isn't um, that pathetic? Isn't that pathetic? <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, by the way, the crew by show. Way, I'm getting angry now, Larry. I think I'm going to start <laughs> going after theirs now. Like I, we haven't done anything but let people like people call us. They want to be in business with us. I think it's maybe time I go after 95-7 the game. I think maybe I'll call Mike Chilton later today and see what Mike wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, the crew show has almost picked up 3,000 subs in the last month. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it's an amazing thing. We're at 26,035. We were at 25,000 a week ago. So we've had almost, over one point, almost 1.7 million views of uh, videos and live streams in the last 28 days and 215,000 watch hours in the last four weeks alone. So, so what are you, and, you're, you're 1.7. Here's the thing, Larry, I'm at 171,000 over the last month. So I'm, I'm I got 10%. Uh, of, you're coming, of baby. You're coming. It's happening. It's officially it's happening. A thousand subscribers added for me in the last 28 days. So um, it's starting to actually blossom and and happen and you can feel it happening and it's very exciting it's fun to be on this end of the situation for real and uh oh, again, it's great stuff i mean you and then the audience has migrated to the phone to digital to podcast to youtube uh today at four o'clock i'll have a monster audience for ned coletti and brian sabian's reunion which will be on the krug show uh, at four o'clock today 
um, and onward and upward, you know, as we as we make our run towards 100,000 subs at some point. But let's run down the Supers right now. We've got uh, T from the 203. I like that one. It says, Morning, Damon and Krug. Uh, who looked worse, the Eagles against the Jets or the Niners against the Browns? Bad week for the top-tier NFC teams. I mean, it's, it's so – T from the 203 is a is a board op down in Miami who's got Bay Area ties and likes us both, Larry. He's a regular of mine, really good guy. And um, I, I would say the Browns are better than the Jets. It's definitely the Eagles who looked worse. Yeah, I would think so. I, I would think so. Um, but it just shows you. I mean, yesterday was just proof positive how hard this is. Consistency is a really hard thing to be in this league. And Shanahan spoiled everyone with 15 straight wins to the point where you get a, you know, you start expecting this. You think it's going to come to you. Um, it was, I mean, I, here's the thing there's no shame in losing to good defenses. The cliche isn't offenses win Super Bowls, it's defense wins championships. And when you're playing a really good D, the Jets have one, the Browns have one. It's not going to be easy. I don't care who you are, how hot you are. You're coming into that game with whatever situation you got. Good defenses bring teams back down to earth faster than anything else. And uh, that's both both the Eagles and Niners ran into really good defenses. Well, and in, in, in that in the Jets Eagles game, you know you don't win in the NFL when you're minus four on the turnover table. Right, and that's what the Eagles were. The Eagles had four turnovers. Three of them were interceptions by Jalen Hurts. Um, the Eagles normally are a great running team. Um, DeAndre Swift had 10 carries for 18 yards, 1.8 a carry. Uh, Boston Scott, one yard a carry. Kenneth Gainwell only had two carries. Uh, Philly ran 22 times, but for 80 yards. Do you see so, the Salah quote? Salah's no. postgame quote said, look, we haven't beaten every quarterback we played this year, but we've embarrassed all of them. Okay. It was pretty uh, good but I, I mean, I liked it. I, you know, he's, he's up there, you know, fighting for back page space on the New York post and, and that'll get it. And by the way, the New York giants are the most unwatchable, get them off my TV football team that I can remember. <laughs> they should be banished from any concept of playing on television, much less, Primetime games. New York Giants games should only be broadcast on radio. No one should have to watch that shit. Yeah, seriously. Uh, a couple other supers here. H uh, HB Nate 55 says, what is a forward pass? <laughs> uh, when you ask the girl at Palmetto if you if you can buy her acai bowl for her, that is a forward pass. <laughs> that is a forward pass. And that is a legal forward pass as opposed to an illegal forward pass. Gizmo Maltese says, do small hands make it harder to throw in the rain? I don't know, but Brock Purdy doesn't have small hands. Yeah. Brock, Brock Purdy has bigger hands. He has the exact same hand size as Patrick Mahomes. He has bigger hands than, I don't know, Trey Lance. Um, Brock Purdy's actually got good size hands. Uh, but, yes, small hands, you would think, would make it harder to throw in the rain. I think what uh, makes it harder to throw in the rain is that wet ball more than the hand side. I mean, it's just what, what you're gripping is a totally different animal. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, if you if you don't believe it, go get a football uh, and a bucket of water and have somebody put the ball in the water, flip it to you, and then make you catch it and throw it quickly. Right, it gets and then demonstrably you'll, heavier. 
it's heavier, but it's also slick. You know, it's it slides around, and there's a little bit of movement. And all it takes is a little bit of movement uh, with the ball in your hands. I mean, the ball that was the worst ball all day was the the one that nothing happened except the incompletion. It was the sideline route to Kittle from Purdy, and Kittle was open. He looked over his, his right shoulder for the ball, put out his left hand, and the ball fluttered and floated to the sideline over his left shoulder. That was the worst ball that he threw, and it had – it had, you know, it was wet. And then I think a couple plays later, he, he tried to throw and the ball slipped out of his hands altogether. Uh, Bazzi Mian says, even Brady needed Vinatieri to win his first Super Bowl. Special teams is essential for deep playoff runs. We cannot afford unreliability. Go get Robbie Gold now. I will say this, you know, you know it seems cutthroat, right, to say, oh, my God, this guy was nine for nine and you're going to – he has no track record of success in the NFL. So it doesn't matter what you did in college. It's all about your NFL. And the Niners are firmly inside their Super Bowl window. They Can they afford to uh, go into Minnesota next week with Jake? Sure. But if he misses another kick or two, uh, whether it costs them a game or not, I think they would be very wise to uh, call Robbie Gold. I mean, Robbie Gold, I mean, is, is never missed in the playoffs. The guy's done it for 18 years. You saw him kick a game winner in Green Bay in far worse conditions than what you saw yesterday. And it was like a no-doubter. So, you know, um, nothing against Jake. I love Jake. I've talked to him. He's a solid kid. Um, and I'm not saying he's not going to have a great future. But you cannot – there is not going to be an acceptable reason – why this 49er team didn't make it to the Super Bowl and win it. They're just not going to, unless and unless it's just a, an avalanche of injuries or they get beat by some spectacular performance, um, you know, missing a field goal with a rookie kicker when you had Mr. Automatic on your team last year and you chose to replace him is not going to be responded well to. No, just not. It's and and here's the thing. I don't call that harsh Jake if you Moody. want. I don't think I don't think Jake Moody is bad at this. He he could be very good at this one day. This is not the day to figure it out. It just isn't. And it's not, and, the, it's not the year to figure it out. Right. And and it's it's anyone's feelings or mental health or belief in themselves are totally irrelevant to what the Niners' goals are this year. You assemble the best team possible. If you get better with Robbie Gold, you have the opportunity to add him. Maybe you add him. You really do. I I would think about it. I mean, I, here's the you thing. John Lynch, Com- John Lynch and company are thinking about it. We don't even have to say like they should be. Of course they are. These guys are smart. They know what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that they're at least contemplating the concept of doing exactly this. I mean, to me... There's three, there's three or four key questions coming out of this game. Will the Niners, should the Niners call Robbie Gold? Um, can John Lynch add a true difference maker uh, at the trade deadline before November 1st? When I say difference maker, I'm talking about the, I see difference makers as Jeremy Chin from Carolina, Patrick Sertan from Denver, Brian Burns from Carolina, Devontae Adams of the Raiders, I mean, these are the true difference makers that are potentially available out there. Does he add one? 
And then the other question I think has to be asked this what about morning Hunter is Renfro. I mean, he feels like he's an odd man out now with the Raiders. What about Hunter Renfro? I mean, Devontae is he a Adams. difference maker? I don't know if he's a difference maker. To me, I, I mean, maybe I mean, I, I'm not saying he couldn't help Damon, but I just don't know if he's a, a true difference maker. If I was going to add a receiver to this group, I'd want to add either a difference maker like us, like an Adams, or I want a vertical threat because you want a complimentary piece. And if you could get a, a Rondale Moore, if you could get a McCole Hardman, if you could get somebody who has really created a lot of space and big playability, um, that's the receiver I'm looking for, probably. Uh, but then the other question is, why does Schwartz own Shanahan? He's 9-1 and one against Shanahan. Is it I, the wide nine? I don't know. I don't know. But, it's, you know, know. some co- why, why does why does Shanahan own McVay? I don't know, but he does. Yeah. Uh, Enrique Solis says we miss Dre Greenlaw, especially in the run game. No Agreed. Doubt. No doubt. Big time player. Um, uh, HB Nate 60, uh, 55 says they need all 41 minutes for next year. 41, 41 million. million. He's saying, well, here's 41 the thing. What you spend on Robbie this year doesn't affect what you got next year, unless you give him a two year deal and you're not doing that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I disagree with this completely. Um, you're in your Super Bowl window, you know, next year, deal with next year, next year. And, you know, there's any number of different ways that you can get the cap cooked up. You don't need all 41. You need to resign. If, if anything, at the end of the year, some of these decisions will be made for you. You know, somebody may retire. Somebody may be too hurt. Um, you know, you may move on from guys like Hughes check in a year. You know, there's all kinds of different ways to massage the cap between now and next year. Worry about next year, next year. Yeah. Um, this year is the only the only Super Bowl you can win is in Vegas this year. And, you know, sorry, but um, I don't think it's going to be a good consolation prize as you don't win the Super Bowl to be like, hey, we rolled over forty one million dollars in cap room. Great. Then hang a flag at Levi's that said forty-one million in cap room, uh, and and see how excited the fans get for that. Uh, I totally disagree with that. That they need to roll over all forty-one million. I think that's illogical. Drunken Ninja says perfect storm, bad weather, bad play, bad calls, overconfident. Should be a great learning lesson for the team. Go Niners. Well said. That's a good. Can I give you another well said statement about yesterday's game that leans positively into who the Niners are? It came from Emmanuel Acho, and I saw him tweet yesterday. You know, very smart guy. The Niners played an awful lot of that game without all pro Christian McCaffrey, all pro Debo Samuel, or Pro Bowl talent Dre Greenlaw, who missed the entire game, yet they were still a 41 yard field goal away from winning against the best defense in football on the road. I'm really not worried at all, he said. And that's the thing. I'm not worried at all. No worried about what? I, I mean, yeah. you know, what, no what's, the, what's the worry the about? Going undefeated. What I am worried about is the toll on Christian McCaffrey's body and Debo Samuel, two off injured throughout their careers, are here now officially injured coming out of a, a week six game. And you know, the war of attrition of their own bodies will go a very long way into dictating where this year goes. Here's the thing. You could miss one of those guys. Both of them, that's trouble. That's trouble. If you're missing both of those guys, that's trouble. Okay. And I suggested a month ago that they look at Jonathan Taylor. Now Jonathan Taylor has signed. 
A uh, couple running backs that are available, if you believe the rumor mill, are James Conner of Arizona and Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. I'll tell you what I didn't like seeing and I haven't enjoyed watching much this year, Elijah Mitchell. No. Elijah Mitchell doesn't look at all good. And, you know, he's a to me, he's the guy to trade um, with a draft pick for another back. Why? Because he's a small man with a big man's game. And when you're a small man with a big man's game, you got a you got a, a career of injuries staring you in the face. And if you could add, you know, you're only as good as your backs. I mean, you you know, you especially if you're Shanahan. Everything's predicated on the play action game. Well, you can, you don't have much of a play action game if you don't have a run game. So when you're inside your Super Bowl window, you need a run game. So either lean on J.P. Mason and Ty Davis Price and feel comfortable, lean into that and feel comfortable with it. Or if you don't feel comfortable with it, then go get James Conner or or Josh Jacobs or, you know, some running back. Um, LaVisca Chenault or I don't know. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there that you could get running back wise to help your situation because, man, at the rate he's going, the chances that CMC is 100% come playoff time seem very remote. And I don't like what I've seen from from Elijah Mitchell. I don't like the fact that he runs three plays and he's hurt. Um, and then it doesn't seem like they've got full confidence in Mason or TDP. And so guess what? You've got this awesome Super Bowl championship caliber team. And you got, um, you know, running back need, even though you've got a great number one back in McCaffrey. So maybe getting over the top means adding a running back, you know, because um, I'd rather have I'd rather have an extra back that I don't need than um, need a back that I don't have. You know, so that that's how I kind of view that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. John Lynch has got a lot to think about. There's a lot of talk that Zach Ertz is available. Would you like to have him? I might. There's a, there's a lot of talk that Daniil Hunter and Brian Burns are available. Do you need more edge rush? You might. There's talk that K1 Williams and Jeremy Chin are both available. Do you need more defensive back and slot corner help? You might. Um, Sertan is a number one. There's talk that the Niners kick tires on the Bears corner, Jalen Johnson. Do they need another corner? They might. All these things are going to be bandied about. Uh, between Lynch and Peters in the next few weeks. Well, Viking, I, I, you know, it, it really better right. be the next few days because if you wanted to get to nine of the 10 players that you just brought up, you're going to have to be first in line to a lot of those guys. And to be first in line, it means you're not waiting for the deadline to make a deal. You do it this week or next week. So there's a report that the Niners called Jalen Johnson or the Bears about Jalen Johnson this week. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Johnson's a good young corner. Um, you know, the thing about corner is the Niners do have Samuel Womack and Darrell Luter Jr. slated to return. How much confidence do they have in those guys? I don't know. Um, and then people who would suggest, oh, well, go get an offensive tackle. That's that's why offensive tackles get paid what they get paid, because they're never available. So if you don't you're gonna go with McKivitz and Trent Williams unless unless one of those guys, you know, just falls apart and then maybe even then, you're going to have to go off the scrap heap because there's just no tackles available. I'll tell you, yesterday's entire year hung in the balance when Trent was down there. Did you see the way that he got rolled up on? I thought, oh, yeah. man, that could be a knee. That could be an ankle. That could be a meniscus. That could be could be a lot. Well, of and then and, and here's the other one, Damon. Let's talk about this for a second. 
you know, it was the ankle. It was his right leg, and it was the ankle. He had the ankle retaped. He went out there on adrenaline because the guy's a war daddy. But today, he's feeling like, S, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Now he's going to be, you know, a few days from now, matched up on a fast carpet in Minnesota against Daniil Hunter. So don't think for a second there that, you know, the Niners may have to play um, next week without Trent Williams. You know, so that's that's another another thing to think about. Another reason they should have had a vo- more of a run-heavy plan, I thought, in this last game and may need to have run-heavy plan in the next game because you may not have Trent Williams this week. Right. You know? And look, that, I that's, I- that's today's reality. Kyle speaks at 1 o'clock. We'll find out, or one thirty. We're going to find out um, in that presser the status of Trent Williams, and I would not be surprised if Trent was, you know, um, doubtful or questionable for for Minnesota. You can't have any Fox going to commercial break with their sad piano music playing under Trent Williams and expect to go far this year. You can't. Oh, that's that's the saddest. They're going to play that at my funeral, Larry. <laughs> just going to have Mikey. a guy playing a, a sad little Casio keyboard over in the corner because we can't afford a grand piano at my funeral these days. It, it might that might seem a tad insensitive, actually, if you really think about it. Uh, if all of a sudden we heard NFL themes at your funeral. Your your wife's banging the casket. No, no. At least she's just banging the casket, Larry. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, give it time. All right, Vikings says, Larry, do you think Brock will ever be a quarterback to put the team on his back when he has to? Maybe not this season. He's young still. I mean, um, hasn't couldn't he already done he, it at some time? I mean, well, he completed 95% of his passes two weeks ago. He He drove the team into game-winning field goal range. He didn't miss the kick. He right. did his job. Um, it wasn't even... Yeah, Look, he, he wasn't, circled he wasn't the wagons between the first and the last drives. He wasn't. He he had a he had a rough day. And um, he owned it. That was a beautiful part. He went to the pro post game presser and he owned it. He wasn't oh, yeah. good. He was not good. It was not a good performance by Brock. It wasn't. But don't let people fool you into thinking that Brock was the reason they lost. Brock was not the reason they lost. You can make a great argument that Jalen Hurts was the reason the Eagles lost. He had three interceptions. They had four turnovers. But Brock made one turnover and three bad throws in the first half, um, three bad throws in the second half. One of them resulted in a turnover. But other than that, he made a number of good throws. If you if you go back and look at, you know, I went back and look at the condensed uh, late last night, um, and you see every play. And I went through every single play. He had a he had a bunch of really good plays. He just, he, you know, you mix in four drops. I I mean. To me, if you said, who do you want to blame the most? In some ways, I want to blame Ayuk the most because Ayuk is spectacular. Ayuk is 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 Debo, and Debo, Ayuk, and CMC are all spectacular weapons. And with no CMC and no Debo, Kittle not doing much, it was time for Brandon to step up, and he dropped three balls that hit him in the hands. If he catches those balls, it's a different game. So the game that you saw yesterday, 
is the only reason why Brandon Ayuk is not considered a top 10 receiver in this league. You know, he's, he, he gets a little bit of dropsies on catchable balls. He's spectacular. I, I love him. I'm a Brandon Ayuk guy through and he's through. He's a great but, player. But yesterday is the reason why he doesn't get inserted into the best wide receiver in football conversation because of games like that. It sounds harsh, but you know what? Um, you know, it, it you got to make plays. You got to make plays. And in a game like yesterday, that's when your team needed you most. And it was his game to step up. Unfortunately, he didn't he didn't step up. I mean, what what's I mean, what are the notes that you're giving to, to Brandon Ayuk? Like his routes are so precise, he's so fast, he's good, he plays through contact, he is running wide open more often than he's well covered. You know, the only note is Hey Brandon, catch the fucking ball. That's it. Well, I mean, there's standards, right? If um the guy's got a massive catch radius, he's been awesome all summer. But when the ball hits you in the hands in the NFL and you're, you know, you got receiver under your position, you got to catch it. You got to catch it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Jake Moody, 41-yard field goal. Got to make it. Brandon Ayuk, balls that hit you in the hands. Got to catch it. And there's you can sit there and we can talk about anything and, you know, soft pedal it all you want. That's that's the bottom line. Gavin Butcher says refs throwing the flag on Gibson was the killer. Moody should not have been a factor. It's unfortunate that flag cannot be reviewed. Will the NFL adjust? I don't know if they'll adjust. They should. I think they ought to go to my idea, which is stop making these. If if the officials are going to be part-time, why make them the star of the show? Why? Just see, I, I I I wouldn't even name them. I would make them nameless. Here's official A, official B. They're not stars. They're school teachers. They're 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 firemen. They're whatever. They're not even full time. They're not stars. Don't make them stars. Stop treating like stop treating them like they're major league baseball umpires. Major league baseball umpires are far better than NFL officials. Um, they do it every day. They're full time. NBA officials are far better than even though they call the game badly at times, but they're far they're full time. They're training to be NBA officials in the off season. NFL officials are teaching school on fr- on Wednesday and boarding a plane and, and officiating a game on a Sunday. That's outlived its usefulness. It's not quaint. It's not charming. It's just it's just negligence at this point. And stop making the call on the field some some you know advantage deal. Right, no, the game's too fast. Make call it an inquiry. Go to the booth review, and without any lean, make the right call. Instead of you've got a flawed system. You know, if you have a flawed system, you know the old saying: if you have a flawed premise, you have a flawed conclusion. Well, it's the same kind of thing. They're, they're the premise for their officials are is 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 flawed, and thus the officiating is flawed. Eliminate these premises and just go with get all the calls right and don't worry about some guy's ego or somehow making somebody look bad. Who cares? He's a nobody anyway. He's a part-time nobody. And you're not even you're not even gonna make him full time. So why should we treat him like he's a star? He's not a star. 
Well, De- Devontae I- Adams is a star. The officials are are school teachers and and talk show hosts and doctors and lawyers and truck drivers. And they're full time something else. They're part time officials. Don't make them stars. Go I- to an inquiry and get it right. Well, here's the thing. My my problem. Human error is part of it. Like you know, doctors aren't perfect, and they're doing surgery on you and your family members. And that's Ask like Steve Kerr about that, right? Doctors aren't perfect. No, no one is perfect. No one is infallible. I don't care if they're full time, part time, well paid, poorly paid. Mistakes are made at a human level. So the whole point is you're bringing in replay to make sure that these mistakes no longer define outcomes of games. Either get replay all the way in or all the way out. I either want to live with it or without it. This whole, well, replay for this, but not for that. Replay for this decision, but not an actual on-field choice. The choices that are made in bang-bang moments affect the play more than, oh, that ball was rocking just a little bit. And so, so to me, what needs to be among the most reviewed plays are unreviewable. You know, well, the fastest plays in the game to the naked eye are the ones that are most in need of a safety net. Would we all agree with that? You need a safety net for fast for the fastest plays. You can't overturn a judgment call. Is that the deal? Judgment call should be the number one thing overturnable because you use the wrong judgment like that's, you know, you 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 can't officiate uh, intent. Yeah, you can. You can officiate intent. Watch the Gibson replay. Watch it. We showed it earlier in the show today. The intent of Gibson was not to attack and injure a defenseless player. The intent of Gibson was to pull up, hit him cleanly, and not destroy him. You could see it on the replay a lot easier than you could see it in real time. They do it in college. Right. They, they, you know, they don't say targeting, oh, you're out of the game. It's made on the field. They do it from the booth. So why can't, if it can be done in college, why can't you officiate the, the toughest calls from above? I think there's, there's a lot of distrust in the replay booth because it's like, well, it comes from New York and it's all, it's league, you know, it's a league deal. It's like, okay, if you want to have, transparency greater transparency than have greater transparency but Beard, but don't but have Beard. a have a safety net it's yeah. okay it's okay got you know you're 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 working in a, on a high rise um you know on a scaffold you know do you do you want a safety net or not well i think if i was working on that scaffold i'd like to have a safety net you know so beard here is saying you can't launch into a defenseless wide receiver read the rule book at no point in time did Gibson launch himself at anything. He no. didn't launch him. He didn't leave his own feet. He didn't go full spearing of anyone, anything. He went shoulder to shoulder. The only reason why you could even say that receiver was defenseless is because he leapt in the air. You know, physics has to be considered. And oh, I mean, I, and it's there, such there a double standard. I'm so sick of this. It's such a double standard. I mean, that's the other thing, too. You can't go helmet to helmet on the quarterback, but, man, you can go helmet to helmet on the running back. Right. 
Well, so what the running back and his head don't matter and his family don't matter. It's like, so do we, obviously we make judgment calls on, on certain things. There's helmet to helmet hits all over the NFL, but you don't hit the quarterback in the helmet. Otherwise you draw on a penalty. They just need to take the game is they let's just acknowledge some realities about the game. It's physical and it's fast and it's played at a ridiculous speed by some of the greatest athletes in our country. And it's just very, very difficult to officiate because of the speed of the athletes and how fast these plays happen. So that's all. We're not trying to demonize anybody. Let's just acknowledge the reality, which is it's part of the reason the sport's so popular is that it's physical and it's fast and you can define the parameters all you want, but all, all we're saying is have the ability to take a look. If you're going to have the ability to take a look at anything, have the ability to take a look at everything. Otherwise, why do it? Otherwise it leaves you asking, well, why is that not reviewable? And why? And it's like, it's almost like to understand the NFL of rules of today it's almost like you got to read like, you know, there's U.S. history, there's American history, and then there's like the history of officiating in America. It's like you have to like know how we got here. In fact, if you ever have like a Mike Pereira on, we used to have him on on a regular basis. He, he, he doesn't just tell you about the call. He tells you about the origin of the rule and how we arrived there. And it's like at the end of the day, I don't I don't I don't want all all that just. I don't, you know, yeah, well, it used to be it was, this was a catch and then that was a catch and then it was survived the ground and now it's this. And then it's like, yeah, there's been so many changes to these rules that um, our heads are spinning. How about just you have replay. It's there for you guys to use. Use it. And if you don't know what happened on the field, don't make a call. Just throw up instead of throwing up a yellow flag. Maybe you throw up a red flag. Oh, he didn't know what he, what the call was. They threw up the inquiry inquiry flag. Now it goes to the booth with no prejudice, no lean, no premise, no anything. Just and people can just look at it and say, "This is what we saw." Because let's be honest if if the if that happened yesterday and they went to the booth and they looked at that, they would have come back with good hit, clean hit, um, no penalty, fourth and ten. And that's ultimately what we want in that situation is just for the thing to be called correctly. Yeah. So Look, Greg, Greg Olson, whose job it was to go over the middle, Greg Olson, who will defend the receivers right to a safe game as much as anyone uh, was like, that's not, that's that, that's not unnecessary roughness. There's nothing about that. That is outside of the realm of how you tackle somebody. And it's the truth. It really was, you know, somebody, I, we'll get back to these, uh, super chats here, but again, are we watching the same game? I mean, this is, this is why it's hard to have conversations with people's because two people can sit down, watch the same thing. And someone walks away with the dumbest talking point in the world. Guy named six pack abs says PJ Walker cooked us. What? No, the running game is why you lost yesterday. The Browns running game is where you got cooked. PJ Walker was 18 to 34, 192 yards and two picks. It was not great. He didn't. He did. He only had three. He ran three times for one yard. So he didn't cook you with his legs. Yeah. No, he wasn't. He at no point in time was PJ Walker cooking. <laughs> right. He made a couple of plays. 
He made a couple. He wasn't of terrible, but he he hardly cooked them. Both these teams were three for twelve on third down. Neither quarterback cooked a thing yesterday. That was that game was microwaved. Amari Cooper made some two or three amazing catches. He did. Amari Cooper was the best wide receiver on the field yesterday. I mean, if you said who were the best Browns yesterday, who would you who would be your top three? I would probably say, based on what I saw, um, I thought Kareem Hunt was really, really good. Um, he only had 12 carries for 47 yards, three catches for 24 yards, but I just felt like he was hard to bring down. He always fell forward. I thought Kareem Hunt played really well. I would throw Amari Cooper in that mix as well. And, and then I would... Kamara. Uh, you know that Jeremiah Owusu Cormora uh, is that yeah, how do you J O K J O K for the Notre Dame kid had he was three good. tackles for loss, five tackles, a sack. sack, two hits on the quarterback, tip pass, yeah, J O K. He was fantastic. They also so, had yeah. a really good day punting. I mean, their special teams executed in a way that the 49ers special teams did not execute. You had what B Bjorkes, their punter. I mean, he's out there. Uh, with four punts for 218 yards, a touchback, he put three of his four kicks inside the 20. Mitch Wisnowski, he pointed, he punted six times yesterday, only put two inside the 20, um, and he'd been doing that all year. So, uh, look, the, the Niners were beaten in all three phases. They lost offensively, defensively, and in special teams, and it wasn't a good day for Kyle Shanahan either. So they got beat. And even with all that going wrong and some officials – decisions really working against them they were still lining up for what could have been a game-winning field goal but kyle fucked that up too so there you go uh, a couple more supers here we got a bunch of people who are throwing their comments out matthew wood it seemed like the brown secondary was a huge factor to neutralize purdy getting the ball out quick uh the brown secondary is really really good best pass really defense good. in football yeah, it's a fair. And I asked Shanahan about it. He said, yeah, they look good. He said, you know, the, that might have been the best three cornerbacks they've gone up against uh, this year. Um, talking heads says, I guess it wasn't alarmist to take the Browns D seriously. Underestimating your opponent is just overestimating your own inf infallibility. Also, why allow also why allow CMC to go back in for one play after the injury? Yeah, I, I didn't understand what was going on there either. That that needs a little bit more of explanation because they're like, oh, CMC's back. And then they're like, he's running back to the locker room. Right. And you, look, you could saw him. You, you saw him on the sideline too. Like he was stretching. He's doing this, like, you know, he's doing the waist bend. You could tell something's wrong with his oblique there. But they, yeah, they put him back in and then he came right out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Ty Bud says, Bruce, thoughts on Brock Purdy showing frustration with man to man press timing disruption. Bad to put a bad to put on film. Interior pressure was the biggest issue. Yeah, Dalvin Tomlinson had a good had a good day for sure inside. I mean, uh, look, it was it was a day that I don't know if the press timing disruption was coming from that that secondary or the fact that the 49ers offensive line had a had a bad day. I mean, I, the pressure was coming from everywhere, and that's what good defenses do. They put pressure on everything. Pressure on the sender, pressure on the receiver, pressure on the line. That, that That's a really, really good team. And look, only fans, only know-nothing fans who don't watch much Cleveland Browns football were ones trying to just say, well, it's Cleveland. Yeah, they're going to be Cleveland. It's because it's Cleveland. 
Um, no, that's there's there's nothing that brings a team down to earth faster than a really good defense, and Cleveland had that, and the Niners knew it, and they didn't roll, roll in there underestimating Cleveland at all. No, they just got beat. Yeah, no, I mean, number one defense, um, you know, number one defense means something. Um, that you know, and when you looked at them on film, because I looked, I watched Cleveland three times, and I looked at all those games, and they don't have a real discernible weakness. Um, like Dallas, I felt like the Niners could run on Dallas and that Dallas couldn't run on the Niners. I didn't think the Browns could run on the Niners. They did. And I thought the Niners could run. I, I thought the Niners were going to struggle to run, and they did. Uh, to me, the, the, the surprising part of yesterday's game was that Cleveland was able to run on the, on the Niners and that Cleveland's O-line stood up uh, against the Niner D-line. I didn't think that was going to happen. I really this didn't. This was a defense giving up 13.6 points per game against a defense giving up 15 points per game, and nearly that two-point difference was the difference on the scoreboard. So, you know, both these teams had good defensive afternoons. One was a little bit better than the others. Uh, Dazza says, what was the time of possession difference? Maybe the 49er D was just tired as well, apart from the rush yards. They seemed good. Uh, it time was, of uh, possession 3303 to 2657 wasn't really overwhelming but yeah it, this is the difference in is your ground game working or not and the ground game for the Niners didn't work particularly well and for Cleveland it worked better against the Niners than any Niner opponent had to work for him all year so yeah I mean you got to tip you tip your cap to the Browns man I Schwartz had a great game plan he's got really good players on all three levels um it does make you wonder though if Kyle loves the wide nine and Schwartz was available this summer, why did the Niners not? And he loves the wide nine and he's not, he was eight and one against Shanahan. Why didn't the Niners consider hiring Schwartz? I mean, maybe, maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe they did. I, I got yeah. no problems with Steve Wilkes. I think he's, no, I don't either, but I'm yeah. just saying, you know, that, that kind of made me wonder. Uh, Dennis Stein's his super sticker. Thank you, Dennis. Thank Thanks you, Dennis. for supporting us. Uh, Vikings his best combo on YouTube. Not even close. Thank you. Thank you. Viking Dazzo says any news on uh, T Williams, Trent Williams and CMC's injuries. We'll, we'll get uh, Kyle at one thirty. One thirty for Kyle. Um, we got this one from sugar. Browns drafted Cade York in the fourth round in 2022. They cut him before the start of the 2023 season. Heck, Roberto Aguayo was a second-round pick. They, he was right. cut. So, I mean, it's like, you know, some some do, some don't, some will, some won't. You know, it just you, you move on. I'm not saying that they should cut Moody, but I am thinking that they should be at least checking in today with Robbie Gold. Um, HB Nate, I was asking, wasn't sure. We forgot the question, but that's a nice fish you got there. It's quite a lunker in your profile picture. Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> Niner Gold says it's on Shanahan. No contingency plans for Debo CMC. Not giving the ball to JP. Uh, JJ Browns had a better run and pass game plan. No rain excuses. Uh, by the way, Juwan Jennings needed to step up and did. He did. Where was Ronnie Bell? It felt like Ronnie Bell didn't even get in that game. Did he get a? I, I, what's his snap count? I didn't read the Barrows uh, snap count column that he always you, you know has after a. He was active. A Niner game? I, I didn't see him on the field. I didn't hear his name all day. Didn't even see him in a pattern. Seriously, I, it would. It seemed like a day for him too. JJ Raider. What if Robbie Gold misses his first kick? Then what? Then just 
give up the season, sell the franchise, and and uh, relegate the Niners to the XFL. No, I don't. Know. I, I think I think you just start forfeiting games at that point. <laughs> yeah, you just quit. You just quit. You quit the league. Dazzle says, I think Brandon Ayuk is amazing, but if that was Diggs, Jefferson Hill, AJ Adams, uh, we probably win the game. Although the pass to CMC should have been a touchdown. Okay, Ayuk did leave it leave us wanting more there. Jesse Wade, the rookie right tackle taken after Moody played very well. Yeah, Daywan Jones. I, no, I think it wasn't after Moody. It was after uh, Cam Latu. The Niners probably should have drafted Daywan Jones. Speaking you know, look, of, uh, he's, a, he's a house. Injuries to tackles. Didn't Lane Johnson get hurt yesterday in that Eagles game? I didn't see that. I watched the end of it. Uh, Ethan M says, "Does this take Brock out of the MVP race?" Probably. It's moment, week six. There's plenty of time to get back in it. Yeah, yeah. Give it a give it a week. Jimmy Kwan. I think Kyle looked frustrated too early. He gets props when they win, but needs to take the blame when they lose. Too many players not involved. I just I just thought that I mean look at the don't overthink this. You're going up against the number one defense in rainy conditions. You've lost Debo in the first quarter. If nothing else, it screamed out 60-40 run pass. And they were over 50-50 pass run. Well, because they couldn't get the run going. I mean, it's 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 the thing. The you, Browns did a great job of stu- stuffing the Niner run. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course you want to run 60 times. When when you're looking at third and 11, how are you going to run 60 times? I want to see more than five carries for J.P. Mason. I, 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 you know, and, and, and here's the bottom line on it, too. If you don't have confidence in J.P. Mason, then you probably do need to be in the market for a running back because CMC's crushed, getting crushed. Where's Ty and, Davis Price? Does he play? And on Ty Davis Price is obviously not as good as Mason because he's further down the depth chart. And Elijah Mitchell um, practices one day and is you know two more weeks on the injured list. Yeah. So that running back might be a real need. I and I saw a, a ESPN article this weekend saying that James Conner may get moved for a six-round draft choice. If James Conner's available for a six-round draft choice, then I'm right calling now. Arizona and saying, here's my fifth. I'm jumping the line. I want James Conner to send him over. Wouldn't I wonder. Take- um, but, yeah, Probably I would go wouldn't. get James Conner if you could. Look, what would you say? You wanted 60 run plays yesterday, Larry? They I only ran- 60-40 split. Oh, okay, because they, they only ran 55 plays yesterday while the Browns got off 70. I mean, that's a that's a lot more plays. So Yeah. Uh, G-Code Travels Vlog POV says, Tom Brady won Super Bowls with Adam Vinatieri, signed Robbie Gold. So, you know, it's always interesting. Um, on a day like today, and this is one of the questions I asked yesterday in the post game. I'm like, Who's going to get the most blame tomorrow? You know, today. You know, is it is it going to be uh, Kyle, Brock, Ayuk, Kittle, Moody, the the refs? Um, it's probably going to be Purdy. Probably going to be Purdy. I think the smart show spreads the blame around because there's plenty to to spread around, and that's what you and I have done here. I don't think it was one of those one guy. He's the reason. One play, that's the play. It was a mountain of mistakes. And in order to make a mountain of mistakes, it, it takes a full team to make a mountain of mistakes. And uh, it takes a coaching staff to do that as well. It also takes an officiating crew to poorly decide on some of those mistakes. Um, so it was, 
You lose football games in this league. It happens. There it is. Alex says, Larry, why would the Cardinals trade within the division? Uh, why anybody would trade at all for anything is because it advances their situation. Trades within the division are rare, but they're not unheard of. And there's an awful lot of uh, teams that are enamored with the quarterbacks in this next class. And so you're going to see the worst teams in the league try to uh, improve their draft you know, hall of picks here in the next few weeks, um, trying for Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Drake May. So I think you're going, I think you will see a bunch of deals. I really do. I think there'll be a bunch of trades made. Um, Ethan M says Zach Moss would be a great fit to back up CMC. Yeah. Again, the, Car the Cardinals are, are sitting there at one and five. So they're already starting to think about next year more than this year. And th they could yeah. be open for business. Yeah. I mean, you're right, though. I mean, it's not it's not normal that teams would trade within the division. But, um, heck, the Niners just traded Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys. And is it, it's not normal for teams to trade uh, guys that they yesterday thought were their franchise quarterbacks to their bitter arch rivals. But the Niners did it. So I think it's safe to say you're only thinking about yourself. You're not really thinking about the other team. If you get a pick that you feel like makes you better in the future, you're going to do it. But the, you're right. Niners, if everybody, if the price tag for the Cardinals, if James Connors on the, on the, uh, on the block for a six round pick and John Lynch calls, you probably want a fifth or a fourth. Right. You know what I mean, the price, John, John, you want them. The price is higher for you. And John would probably even understand that. I do, I understand it. Uh, and I didn't this go to one. Stanford, so there you go. Kevin Allen. Purdy's a robot. They just have to make him more waterproof. Water and electronics don't miss. <laughs> he's AI. He's AI. With, yeah. with, with Brian Baldinger. Brock Purdy, he's AI. <laughs> he wasn't yesterday. Yeah. I mean, uh, we got this one from Fleming. SC says Moody missed a clutch kick. Let's move on. Otherwise, we'll start a call, start calling for a replacement for clutch pass and throws as well if it doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, well, let's be honest. Morons do that too, you know. But here's yeah. the thing: Purdy has got enough. He's, I mean, he's, this guy's won playoff games. We don't know what Moody's going to do because he's never seen the playoffs. You know, we don't know. And Robbie Gold has a track record in postseason play that is impossible to point at and say that's anything other than a hundred percent. So you're just playing the odds. Ball. You're just playing the, the odds. The only reason why they drafted Jake Moody was because they decided we can't afford Robbie gold. They can now afford Robbie gold. You know, if you no say, well, you, you, but you burnt a draft pick on Jake Moody, you burn a lot of draft picks on a quarterback who's not even here anymore. I don't care about that anymore. What can you do to get better this season? If they conclude they're better right now by adding Robbie Gold, they should be on the phone with Robbie Gold and Jake Moody can go home and cry on a pillow that is guaranteed to still pay him millions of dollars. This is an interesting question. Bobby Mira, why would the Niners gamble on a rookie kicker when the Super Bowl windows now? Most good teams now have veteran kickers. Is it just a cap issue? Hard to believe. It was the last time issue. the Niners. Yeah, it was a cap issue. Last time, once the Niners signed Hargrave, they were looking for cap relief anywhere they could find it, and this was one area. Um, also, maybe they saw some regression in Robbie, 
Who knows? Maybe oh, Robbie has 40. no interest. We're all this talk about Robbie. Maybe Robbie's told them I'm done. Yeah. You know, you never know. Well, um, and, and then the other thing the, is the last time the Niners did win a Super Bowl, rookie kicker, Doug Bryan. So here's here's the thing, too. Robbie never liked San Francisco. He never liked playing for the 49ers. He, he just did it. It was his job. He's got no connection to the team. He's not a he's not someone who's got a, any sort of romance. Attack. I don't know about if he didn't if he didn't like San Francisco. I talked to I interviewed him in December at his locker for 20 minutes and he was glowing in his praise of Schneider, the special team coach, the locker room, Shanahan, the organization. Right, he's a veteran um, enough guy. Got, but he's got three boys. You know, right. he's got three boys. He's a veteran enough they, guy to say everything correctly in front of his locker room about how much he likes it here. But the truth is, is he rented. Larry, he stayed in a hotel. He never even bought a house. I mean, like, he didn't yeah. want to be out here but for the games. So maybe he's just done. I don't know. It, it's don't know. possible. I, I, it I'd is possible. I would call him. I would call him just to see how he is. Again, he could be in the I'm drinking out of coconuts on a beach phase of his life and already 35 pounds heavier than the last time we saw him. Who knows? And, you know, you know, there's a lot of guys who miss the competition. Maybe he's one of those guys that misses the competition. Or maybe not. Guy kicked 18 years in the NFL. Maybe he's done. Uh, you're right. He lived out of a hotel, and he's got three boys and – you know, and why didn't he buy a house here? He didn't buy a house here because houses here cost a lot. Look, he wanted to go back to Chicago when the Bears sucked because he just liked it more. I'm you surprised know, he he's still available. Yeah. That makes me wonder if he wants to play. He might not want to play. And here's the bottom line. They could sign him tomorrow. He could be awesome in the regular season. They could get to the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, and he could miss from 32 yards out. Right, or you because know, that's now, the way it goes. Fifty-eight yard field goal to win a game, and that's six yards out of his range now at the age of forty, forty-one, whatever he would right. be. Right, all this that. talk about this, and all of a sudden the season ends by, uh, you know, he missed the hit the crossbar and fell short. Oh, where was Jake Moody? He had, you know, Where's he had Jake a bigger leg. leg. You know, you drafted a guy with a bigger leg. What are you doing? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, twenty twenty hindsight. 2020 hindsight, but I, I will say this watching the jets upset the Eagles put me in a much different frame of mind this morning. Um, after that game, I was like, Oh man, what a terrible loss. But uh, one, you know, in a way I would rather the Niners lose a game in the regular season than get into the playoffs in an undefeated mode. I just think I think when you I think when everybody's stroking you and telling you how great you are, that you're not really on your top edge that you need to win a championship. I don't and, know. I mean, I've never seen any Niner team. The 84 Niners were the best I ever saw. They went 15 and one. They got robbed by the Steeler team. Um, sometimes adversity creates an edge. I mean, the Niners lost the 83 NFC Championship game on bad calls at RFK Stadium. Older Niner fans remember it fondly, or remember it well, I should say, not fondly. But that that robbing in the NFC Championship game fueled their whole run in 84. The 85 Bears had more momentum than any team in the history of pro football, at least that I've been watching. They felt robbed and and disrespected by getting shut out in the NFC championship game the year before to the 49ers. So sometimes a loss can can really fuel a team. I'd much rather have a loss or two in the regular season than some 
perfect record going into the playoffs and not experiencing and the fear of, oh, my God, you know, we're what if we lose now? We didn't lose this entire season. You see it in college hoop all the time. They enter the tournament and they never lost all year. Tr- tr- you know, truth was nobody was in 15 points of them all year. So they weren't really battle tested. I'd rather see it. You learn about yourself. You dig a little deeper. You learn a lot in law. Lo- you learn more from losses than you do from wins. I think yep. this team has had enough lessons from big losses and big moments to where I if you look at it this way, I'll take an undefeated fucking team any day of the week. What are you kidding me, dude? I don't think you're learning anything from losses or feeling better or more motivated. I these are not I college do. kids feeling pressure. I no, I, I I would take an undefeated team and all my chances with greatness that you could possibly do. What I, undefeated I, team have we ever seen? Patriots. And they lost in the Super Bowl. Right. That was still a glorious season of football. I mean, they right, they, but know, I'm just I'm saying, saying it's like you know the there's it, just it, it there's a, there's the win, more there's pressure the win, in both routes. But Larry, the wins that the Patriots brought into that Super Bowl didn't beat them. The Giants. No, did. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that if you if you, I'd rather have a team that goes 14 and you know 15 and two in this new 17 game schedule than um, the team that's perfect and is worried about remaining perfect. I'd rather a team be, um, you know, be, be, have some flaw, some, something. I mean, so. to me, I don't care what the record is. You know what I want in the postseason? I want a healthy team. That's it. I want a healthy team. Cause if you're good enough to be in the dance, there's chances are you're good enough to dance all the way to the last song. I mean, that's what we're seeing everywhere. You're a playoff team. You can win. You're a playoff team, you can win. It's happening dramatically all over baseball. It happens that way in basketball now. Like, seating is irrelevant. Just get in, and if you're in, the randomness of any one day can have you in the Super Bowl, whether you're the best team or not. It's like the the concept of a real underdog almost doesn't even exist in postseason play these days. Anyone? Michael Taylor says, I get what Larry's saying. Reminds me of the Warriors who broke the regular season wins that year in some ways. I didn't want to go 17 and 0 this year. Didn't work out for the Patriots either that year. I'm just saying that there's more pressure that goes with the perfect record. I, I think just acknowledging that you're beatable if things don't go your way takes a lot of the. I don't know. I mean, but it's just different that. routes. I, I, I it's okay. Everyone, the moral advantages of losing have been greatly exaggerated. You know, that's a famous saying. But I'm just saying, um, they were gonna lose. Look what it took to hand them a loss. I mean, look what it took. I mean, think about all the adversity from yesterday and all the things that, that went wrong and all the things that that uh, the Browns had in their favor, and still the Niners could have won that game. So I don't, yesterday doesn't bother me. Yesterday is not – It's not, let's just say this. The Niners in their Super Bowl year in 94 got beat 40-8 to in a game I was at Candlestick for. The Eagles came in with Charlie Garner and slapped them around, okay? This was not that. This was a really good defense on a cold, mucky day that and all kinds of issues injury-wise and bad calls, and Brock had a bad day, and Ayuk had a bad day, and no green law, and, you know what I mean? It's like, this was... This one, and your kicker misses two field goals. There was tons of adversity, and you still almost won. That's how good this Niner team is. Yeah. No, they're they're going to be a hard out. 
There's no reason to change the X marks the spot of what the goal for this year is. The goal is win the Super Bowl. That hasn't changed a bit, not a smidgen. Now let's see what the injuries to Debo and Ayuk, or excuse me, Debo, McCaffrey, and any you know holdover, carryover effect of of the ankle that had Williams leave the game for a little while. So there's there's some things to monitor, and for the very first time all year, injury concerns are present. There's no doubt. But we got, a cu- we got one more super chat here. Batman okay. twenty nine says, "Please read my super chat." Power or accuracy? Which is better for a kicker? I'm taking, I'm taking accuracy. Yeah, I'm taking Ray Wershing and Robbie Gold and money from forty two on in over the guy who could make one from sixty. But you know, it's right. dicey. You just don't know. Living in a more offensive, aggressive world that football plays in now. I'd rather you roll the dice on a play on fourth and three than attempt a super long field goal anyway. Like to me, that's just, that's, that's the way modern football should be played. I mean, it's like, do you want, I mean, let's talk about something where you have no net, like air traffic controllers. Would you rather have a really, really, you know, a a kid from Harvard with a, 4.5 4.5 GPA who's considered the smartest kid in his class as your as your um, air traffic controller or a guy who's been landing planes at LAX for 45 years right who do you who do you you know you're in the air you can have either guy running your flight which one do you want you want the guy who's never done it I've interviewed Robbie Gold and I've interviewed Jake Moody and they're both really nice guys Robbie Gold's a man who's raised kids. He's played 18 years in the league. He's 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 uh, as knowledgeable about football as Shanahan. Jake Moody's a nice young guy. Reminds me of my son. If I got everything on the line, I would trust Robbie Gold over Jake Moody. And I love Jake Moody as a guy. I've interviewed him a couple times. He's a great kid. Great perspective. Solid kid. Going to have a nice career. But seriously, if I'm if it's my life on the line, I'm taking Robbie Gold over Jake Moody. That's it. Larry, this was a Browns. I, I don't. Defense. I don't want to overthink it. This was a Browns defense that held Joe Burrow to like 80 yards. Okay, they're good. They're really, really good. The Niners picked the wrong day to not be really, really good in their own right. Give Cleveland a lot of credit for making the game feel that way. That's the least amount of yards any Kyle Shanahan coach team has put up since he's become head coach of the 49ers. It was a bad day. Didn't work. It's over. It's over. Putting that game behind them as quickly as possible and getting ready. you got an extra day to prepare with the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night football. Rest up. Another 18-plus hours could be exactly what either McCaffrey or Debo or Trent needs to keep on going. And if you don't have any three of those guys, it's going to be tough to win in Minnesota as banged up and bad as Minnesota's been. But that's a game that the 49ers should still win because they are better. And I'm just, I'm not worried. I'm not worried yet. The beginning of how you would worry about a football season flashed itself yesterday. But I'm not worried yet. And I don't think 49ers fans should be worried yet. And the goal is win the Super Bowl. And that goal has not been deviated from, not yet. So, um, 
Larry, I, I, I got to host a show. I know you got a big show with Brian Sabian and Ned Coletti coming up today. Um, I think it's disappointing that Farhan is only interviewing yes men and yes women to just go along with his plans. I mean, anyone, the, the, the next manager of the San Francisco Giants should not come from the Gabe Kapler branch. I It shouldn't. But it feels well, like a night. I, I, you know, um, it's interesting. Brian Sabian hired Dusty Baker, who didn't have experience, but had a ton of playing experience. Um, then he hired Felipe Alou. Then he hired Bruce Bochy and won three titles. Ned Coletti hired Grady Little, who had done it before. And then Joe Torre. What do those guys have in common? A ton of experience. Yeah. So... I kind of like the idea of experience, but then um, Jordy says, I believe in Stephen Vogt. They did interview Stephen Vogt. I did suggest over a year ago that Stephen Vogt, in my mind, would be a phenomenal manager. There's still going to be a learning curve. Again, but I like Stephen Vogt. I, 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 I love Stephen Vogt. I think Stephen Vogt's a great communicator. I think he's respected. I think he's funny. I think he's got a great personality. I think he would be Stephen vote on the heels of Gabe Kapler, in my opinion, despite his lack of experience, would be a breath of fresh air. Michael Taylor says hire Ron Wotus. I'm not even convinced that Ron Wotus at this point wants to do the job, but Steve, but Michael, I agree with you. Um, that would be probably my choice right now based on, on the names that I've heard, but um, I'd be okay with Wotus. I'd be okay with vote. Bochi's seven wins away from a world championship, three wins away from a world series, a shutout win for the Rangers in Houston. Yep. Bochi happens. Uh, this has been a really good and fun show. Uh, Ty Bud says, Damon, I, I need a Damon Bruce channel link. Can't find it. Go to Damon Bruce Plus. Damon Bruce Plus, hit subscribe. I ask all, Larry, you have a, a huge, awesome audience. I'd love your huge, awesome audience to lean into that subscribe button here. Make sure they don't miss a thing that you and I do together. We're going to be doing an awful lot together, and this was an awful lot of fun. We want to thank our sponsor, Palmetto Superfood, and walk on in there, say, I'm here for the buy one, get one, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger thing, and they will give you a buy one, get one free acai bowl. Get yourself into a Palmetto Superfood and just try it. That's all we're asking. It's delicious. It just happens to also be good for you. Don't hold that against it. It's delicious. That should be our only theme. Forget its nutritional value. Eat it. It's tasty. It's pretty much Absolutely. how we operate. Absolutely. No, it's one of the, try it. You'll like it. That's all I'd say. That's all I would say. Some things you got to, oh, God, you know, you do this and the, here are the advantages. No, no. Forget all that. Just try this. Go into a Palmetto Superfoods, and Charles, the owner, has has opened a bunch of them around the bay. Look it up. Go in there. Tell them that Damon and Larry sent you. Try it. Then come back. Tell us what you think. I I, I know you're going to come back and be at Krug. It was awesome. Take it was delicious. Take a picture and send it to us. Send it Absolutely. To us. Take a picture of yourself there. And Damon and I are going to be doing an appearance at a, at a Palmetto Superfoods here in the weeks ahead. And we're fired up for it. Um, it's a really great product. I put, I would absolutely uh, put my name on it, and um, thrilled to be associated with it. So we're signing um, flat it, objects only. Just, just so you yeah. know. Don't we, show won't, we won't sign any babies. 
but uh, no, it's it absolutely is phenomenal. And Charles is is got a winner on his hands. There's no doubt about it. Um, and by the way, our analytics person has just sent me that this stream uh, we are ahead of all other YouTube streamers and both radio stations today by over three hundred viewers. People have spoken. People have spoken. The people have spoken. Larry, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much. Uh, This whole thing is run from Larry's side of the technology, so great day producing. I love the uh, Gibson video that we had earlier in the day. Larry, have a great interview with Ned and Brian a little bit later. Would you say 4 o'clock that bad boy goes live? 4 o'clock Pacific. Um, I'm going to call Brian here as soon as we're off and and talk about a few things. But, yep, absolutely, 4 o'clock today reuniting uh, two greats in Giants history and excited to do it. And if you want a little bit more 49er post game, come on over to the plus Damon Bruce plus I'm going live at 11 for my own show and we'll see you over there. Larry, thank you so very much. Everybody have a great Monday. Go Niners. (laughs) 